the optimal life. Hey, Nate. How are you, buddy? Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for being here. I came across you online, and I, you're hard to miss for a very obvious reason, man. Look at that beard. When did, when did you start growing that thing? Uh, I... It's funny. I, I, I uh, this was the second time I've let my beard grow out, and um, I, I let it grow out pretty much June of 2014. Um, yeah, you know, I had done some marathons prior to that, up in 2013, and uh, I began training for the Ironman for an Ironman distance triathlon. I started that training in December 2013. I told myself, if I'm able to complete the Ironman, and no one's going to tell me what I can do with my beard or with my facial hair. And um, that was it. So when I finished that June 29th, 2014, uh, that was when I said, that's enough and I'm going to do me. Wow. And now how long did it really take to get to that level? Uh, pretty much a solid two and a half years. But I will say for the folks at home, if you're going to grow your beard out with great beard comes great responsibility. Therefore, you need to groom your beard, at least on a seasonal basis. Go to the barber. Get that trimmed. Look like a gentleman and not a hobo. Yeah, because that's the thing. A lot of people don't realize. They might look at you and go, man, does that guy do any? Like people that don't truly know. Your beard yeah. aficionados know exactly what you're doing. But most people go, does that guy do anything? And little do they know you're probably <laughs> taking care of that thing multiple times a day. It's funny because, you know, like my inbox is like you and I were just talking prior to uh, prior to this conversation, prior to this recorded conversation. We we're discussing like certain types of messages that we'll get from people in the, in the community. And my inbox is filled with running questions. And about an eighth of it is like beard questions. No kidding. That's cool. So you got two brands. You've got two brands uh, kind of tied into one. But I do notice that with a lot of especially the ultra guys. Yeah. Um, I've watched a lot of documentaries. I actually had Sally McRae on a couple of years ago. I don't know if you know. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, and I came across her and a bunch of these other guys who like Billy Yang documentary and Ginger sure. Runner, all that yep. kind of stuff. And I notice quite a few of these mountain runners. Yeah. These trail runners, they do the same thing. What's the what do you think it is? What's the mentality behind that? Well, a uh, couple of things. First, I'm going to start off by saying this. Don't get it twisted. I'm not the man who fishes and hunts uh, for his food on a daily basis. You know, I just came back from Target, uh, you know, and got, <laughs> a, and, uh, got a couple of things. Um, you know, you're, not out there, you're not out there killing your, the wild and bringing it back over your back in a, in a knapsack. <laughs> only, uh, only only when I watch uh, Instagram reels am right. I involved in that lifestyle. Um, but, you know, like I live in Center City, Philadelphia, so there's not a lot of woods or mountains in my area. Uh, why do I think the beards are a popular thing in ultra runners? I'll break it down like this, and you'll probably get a taste for this as we talk more and more. I'm a man who likes to make analogies. So if you consider, uh, you know, uh, the suits versus the, um, I don't know, regular, the uh, you know, like there's the corporate guys, and then you have the regular, and then you have the other, the uh, the uh, non-suits. And in my world, like there's tendons, there tends to be the marathon runners, the matchy matchy type. You know, their outfits match, their sneakers match, their match their shirt, match their shorts. And I think with the trail runners, especially when you start getting into more distances that are greater than a marathon, which is an ultra, um, you know, you find more and more of people. Uh, who just kind of have, it's more of a fringe thing, you know, and when you're out there on the fringe, you don't necessarily subscribe to the norms. And with ultra running, this distance in, in and of itself, when you, great, when you go greater than a marathon, greater than 26.2, you 
you know, that's the, that's the beginning of um, stretching the boundaries. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Thank you. Because you guys are, you, there's something wrong with you people. I mean, we all know that. <laughs> you know <laughs> what? I'm not going to uh, argue with that. And I, and I know that you're making a joke when you say that. And it's, but, um, you know, I, I've said before that it can be a double-edged sword, you know, to, it, it, I'm constantly walking a fine line here. Yeah, it's nice to be able to tackle these distances and to train and wrap my mindset or just to wrap my mind, you know, around a goal that's going to place that's going to take place six to nine months from now. You know, that's a double edged sword, because when I do that, I'm cutting out people, places, things and routines and habits that don't coincide with my goal. And it can be a selfish pursuit at times. Yeah, you know? there's definitely something very unique, very different about yeah people that run the trails, people that want to push themselves to almost four times the length of a marathon yeah. in one, in one sitting and you're doing it and you're doing this in 18 hours plus or minus. Yes. Right now, you know, for the listeners or for, for your listeners, um, there's different types of ultras. They typically start at the 50 K distance, which would be 10, five Ks or 30 or 31 miles. Um, the distances that I've been specializing in in these last couple of years have been the 100-mile distance or greater, as well as 24-hour races. To date, I've completed 13 races of 100 miles or greater, including the Tahoe 200, the fabled Leadville 100. Uh, my fastest 100 time was on a course here in Pennsylvania called the Pine Creek 100. Uh, my time there was 16 hours and 57 minutes. Wow. Um, and just this summer... My fa I set the, uh, I, I broke my own course record again uh, for a 12-hour race. I ran, um, I'm, I'm sorry, for a 24-hour race. I ran 129.86 miles in 24 hours, which was the seventh fastest time for males in North America, 11th overall. Uh, How old are you, Gax? I'm 46 years old. Gosh, look you, at that. And you just, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we don't know what you really look like behind all that fur, but hey, um, but you just started fairly recently. People that are going to look at you, oh, he's 46. He's been running trails probably for 20-some years. That's not the case at all. You've only been doing this for a short period, man. I have. And, you know, you keep saying running trails, but I need to make this distinction. You know, I, I am very much an urban runner. Um, you know, like I live in Center City. 90% of my miles come from the road. Um, I do my hill repeats on the Ben Franklin Bridge quite regularly. Um but I, you know, but that's my, yeah, but that's my bread and butter. So yeah, your image, your, your foundation are the streets. Yes. That's where you feel most comfortable, which again, makes you very unique because you are running mostly streets, but then you're putting yourself into these hundred and 200 mile endurance races. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and you know, so and that's a different beast. Right. So some, so sometimes when I head out West, you know, I kind of get this, uh, I, I feel, maybe this is just me psyching myself up. You know, but I kind of feel like some of the some some of the runners out there are like, oh, you're out here for for a vacation gags, you know, welcome, have fun. And it kind of it makes me go out there with with a chip on my shoulder. So, you know, I'm heading out to uh, Arizona in October to do the Hobbelina 100 sponsored by Hoka. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to going out there and putting up a really spectacular time. Are you a Hoka athlete? I'm not a sponsored Hoka athlete. No, but I wear their product 24 seven. Got it. So I love you <laughs> soon to be sponsored. So you mentioned six to seven, nine months, something like that. 
And I assume you're talking, that is the length of time that you're investing into these trainings to prepare for an ultra. Yes. And Uh, you said, you you know, it, it takes a toll on your personal relationships. It takes a toll on family life. It takes a toll on work, all these things. So, at when let's dig into a little bit of that because I want people to understand the true commitment. This okay. isn't just rolling out of bed and just running on the treadmill or running five miles around the neighborhood. This becomes a lifestyle. Dig into that for us a little bit. It is very much a lifestyle. You know, you mentioned the treadmill. I have nothing against the treadmill. However, um, in the past three years, I've run close to 9,000 miles, and I believe only 12 of those were on, were on a treadmill. And he um, lives in Philadelphia, folks. So he's <laughs> running through the snow. Yeah, I'm, I'm running. Uh, in fact, as a matter of fact, I was out in I was out in the snow last night for a uh, little bit. But you talk about the commitment. Um, it does become a lifestyle after a while. And I'm the kind of guy that when I lock in on something, that's it. You know, um, I get this laser beam focus. And I mentioned before, for better or for worse, um, I, I simply lock in. Uh, the time commitment. It is a time commitment. I'm always figuring out how to balance and juggle my life. Um, the easiest thing I would say to anyone listening at, listening at home is, you know, I'm talking about these distances, all right? But I need to make clear that the distances are completely relative, all right? So when I mention a 50K or a 100 miler and you're not a runner, I don't want you to be scared. I want you to relate that to something in your own life or perhaps you're just starting out and a 10K is your goal or a 5K is your goal. You know, you're going to hit these little these little uh, like milestones along the way. And when I started out, Nate, I fell in love with those little milestones. You know, I was uh, 11, almost maybe 11 and a half years ago. You know, I was tipping the scales at 242 pounds on the cusp of shopping at the big and tall store. Um, You know, and I started to make, and when I hit my own personal rock bottom health wise, you know, I pulled out of that and started to make, these little tiny changes in my life. And that, I, because I'm wired a certain way, having that routine, it made sense to me. So it was those little things made me buy into the commitment even more. And once I started making those little, those little steps, it became one giant leap. And then I just kept going, man. I was literally off to the races. Talk to us about those little steps. Give us some examples from back in 2011. When you realize I need to make a change in my life, man, it was so hard, dude. It was so hard. Um, you know, for, I, at the time I was married, uh, had two boys. I'm not, I, I still have two sons. I love them to death, Leonardo and Dante. Um, hey guys, um, you know, uh, <laughs> it, they were young. They were, I think, four and two or three and one and a half. You know, and I'm just sitting at home wasting my, yeah, you know, wasting, just wasting away. You know, and my wife had signed us up for the YMCA under the family plan. And to this day, she's a, she's a very foxy lady, you know, and I know what she means when she, or what she meant when she came home and said, I signed us up for the YMCA under the family plan. It's like, yo dude, I ain't sign up for this shit. All right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you need to take care of yourself. And I walked into that gym, like a wad of cookie dough, Nate. Um, you know, I had like the sweatpants on, I had the t-shirt tucked in, I might as well have been wearing a damn headband. You know, I felt so out of place. <laughs> I had a towel over my shoulder and dude, I was that guy. You know, How tall are you gags? Just so people understand. I'm, I'm 5'11". And 5'11 and 240 pounds at the time. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was... <clears throat> It was just hard, you know, because but at the same time, I had already made the decision, you know, when I was sick and sitting in the hospital and doctor trying to figure out, hey, man, like, what's up with you? Like, why are you sick? Um, you know, I had kind of envisioned where I wanted myself to be. And uh, that was my own rock bottom. You know, sitting in that hospital bed, it's like, you know, nurses are coming in, they're taking tests. There's a tube run up to me. You know, like my wife stopped by, my fat, my mom and dad came to visit me. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You know, and at the time I was just living dirty, Nate. I was just living foul, you know. Um, I had allowed bad routines, bad thinking habits to take over my life. And I was too scared. You know, I felt like I had to, I felt like I was so far down. I had to look up to see the bottom, man. You mm. know. Um, like when but, you're talking about living dirty, uh, health, nutrition wise, of course. Everything. And, you and, know, uh, were you were you drinking a lot of alcohol at that time? Absolutely, man. I, I you know I should have been sponsored by Kettle One at that time. You know, like <laughs> I would walk around to parties with like with like a cooler, a bag of ice, cups, lemon wedges, lime wedges, straw. Like gags is here, everybody. It's gonna be Straight a fun up. night. I had a cooler. It had stickers on it. You know, and I come to the party, and plus I was a bartender for years and years and years. So I would come to the party with like mixers and my own little cooler, and we were off to the races, man. Mm. You know, um, and when you do that, when you live that way for a long time, you can you can get by in your 20s. All right. You can still wake up with like half a six pack, uh, you know, if you were athletic prior. But once you start hitting your 30s, your body starts to change. And I couldn't keep up with that. And let's keep it real, Nate. You know, when you're out there, you're doing that. You know, I've proven that I have endurance. OK, well, my endurance also goes to alcohol. I don't stop, dude. You know, one is too many. A thousand is not enough. Um, and everything yeah, else. Daily. that goes Yep. And everything else that goes along with that lifestyle at the time, I was, I was into, man. I just, and it just wasn't, it wasn't good. And if I kept on that path, there's no way you and I would be talking here today because I'd be dead. Yeah, I, I, no doubt about it. And again, that's what I find when I say you guys are, something's not right with you people. You guys are a little sick mm -hmm. in the head because you guys are so committed to whatever it is that you're interested in. And I think it takes a very unique brain, a very unique mindset to be at this level because you guys are at the top of the, right. when it comes to mental toughness, when it comes to just dedication, it might be dedication to the wrong things like you were doing for a while. Right. But it's still dedication at the highest of levels. And again, I find so many people when I watch documentaries and I talk to people, especially that have gone to this crazy place like ultra running, they're able to tap into something that's so unique they're able to take the, a lot of them are recovering you know we're, we're addicts and alcoholics and all these different things and now they take all that and they put all that energy into the into their running which i'm sure you could relate to i can absolutely 100 relate to and in my personal life you know i've thrown all my neuroses all my idiosyncrasies all my anxieties all my little ticks and I've got a lot of them, man. I threw it all into running. And for me, it helps me balance my life. Now, balance is a really is a very relative term. But I think the appeal, not just for myself, but for other ultra runners as well, is, you know, <laughs> you and I, 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 you know, you're in Ohio. I'm in Philadelphia. All right. We started to text on, what, Thursday, Friday. Now it's Monday. And everything was immediate. It's at our fingertips. Okay. Um, if... You know, like, like just for example, before we started recording, I said, hang on one sec, Nate. Let, let me just crack my window a minute. You know, I want to be comfortable. Everyone wants to be comfortable. Everybody wants something to be immediate. 
And when you find out what you're made of, all right, when you start to push the limits, and pushing the limits could be you going the extra half mile on your long run, on your long five-mile run. You know, maybe you're running an extra half mile. All right? But when you start to push the limits day in, day out, and you believe that you can do this, you know, that's where the magic happens. That's where, that's the, that's the magic of ultra running is that you strip yourself of all the comforts, all the creature comforts, uh, the uh, creature comforts. You're stripped of all that. Time becomes a warped sense of reality. All right. There's this voice inside your head that just wants to stop. And the other half of the voice inside your head says, you got to keep going at all costs. You know, and you learn to become comfortable while uncomfortable. That's the key. And that's where the real gains are made, right? Absolutely. That's where the real emotional and mental, I mean, the physical, sure, but boy, those emotional and mental are the ones that are going to get you through when you're running those long races, regardless of it's a 10K or 100 miles. Right. And again, I'm going to ask your listeners to take this with a, with a grain of relativity. All right. When you take leaps, when you take, you know, these uh, these leaps of faith in your professional life, in your personal life, in your hobbies, in your passions, it's scary. It's very scary. But there's that's where the power, that's where the growth comes from. You know, that's where that's where for me, that's what I truly fell in love with. That's what fat gags was missing for, you Mm -hmm. know, and, you know, the weight at the time, it kind of kept it kind of crept on me kind of quick over the course of five years you know yeah Um, it's like you don't realize it because it's gradual enough to not realize but then you look at a picture from five years prior and you go holy shit i'm a different person i still can't look at it i I still can't look at a picture i I still can't post a picture of myself from back in the day like this whole 10-year challenge please man (laughs) you are never going to catch one you're never going to catch that or at least not it's not ready there you started talking about you, you know, the changes that you had to make back in 2011, they yeah. were super subtle. So again, we kind of pivoted, but go back to that. What were some of those small changes that you started implementing? Sure. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I talked about this. I, I think I mentioned, mentioned this. The, uh, it started with a piece of Swiss cheese. You know, I would just go to the, for like lunchtime. I would just go to some like, like, like a Chili's or whatever was around, you know, and get like a burger with fries. You know, but then I was like, you know what, let, let, let me get a burger with Swiss cheese. And then it became, let me try a turkey burger with Swiss cheese. And then it became a turkey burger with, you know, hold the fries. I'm going to do a side salad, you know, and then it became, let's just get a side salad with like some chicken fingers, you know, and it's like these, you know, I am afraid, like I, I need to make the changes gradually because when I, I'm, <laughs> well, no, I'm just going to stop. I have, I'm wired a certain way. I can go down rabbit holes very easily. All right. If I were to become a strict vegan, it would alter my entire life and it would just upset the entire harmony. I can't do that. I find I'm trying to live myself. It's like everything in moderation, including moderation. All right. That's kind of like my trying, that's like my guiding mantra. All right. So it became little steps such as that piece of Swiss cheese. Now it became a salad. Then, then it became, you know what? I don't want to eat salads all day long. Let's try some juices. Let's throw some of that in there. Let's try some smoothies, things like that. 
Um, and that's when I started to tweak my, that's when I started to tweak these little, little tweaks to my diet, started to eat fish for the first time. I was always like, ah, fish, but no, it's like now fish is pretty much the staple of my, of, uh, of my diet. Um, and the, it's just that those things become, it just becomes a lifestyle over time. But I didn't stop and say, you know what? I'm cutting everything out. I can't do that. I can't do that. And the risk of failure is so great, you know, and when you, you know, for example, this is the perfect time of year when folks are, when the resolutionists, shall we say, are out there in full force, whether it's going to the gym or making dietary changes, or they're going to commit to this or commit to that, you know, recovery or anything else, when you begin, it's a slippery slope. All right. You're going to have pitfalls. You're going to have things that are going to knock you off your square here and there. It's important to understand that and pick yourself back up and keep on moving forward. So I didn't make these crazy changes in my diet. It just became over time, gradual changes. And then eventually, eventually that, and eventually you had no interest in the French fries. You had no interest in the ice cream. You had no interest in all that stuff or, or you didn't have the same interest. Should we say, let's just say, thankfully I'm lactose intolerant and I do cheat with fries once in a while because fries are so good, man. Right. Well, and you need your carbs is like a Caesar salad with like a side of fries. So if like you and I were having lunch, I would say, hey, man, do you want to put like a basket of fries? And I put a couple of fries on my Caesar salad. Everything in moderation, like you said. Including moderation. <laughs> hey, um, so that's the nutrition piece, which obviously you probably started feeling emotionally different through that process. How did you ultimately, are you still drinking or have you totally no. cut that out? You totally cut that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had, I, I, I don't keep track of those dates. Um, I think I had like, a little bit of champagne after a race, maybe about a year ago, like whatever. Oh, okay. In terms of me going out to the bar, you're not going to catch me doing that. Um, hanging out with those kinds of people uh, or those people that were in my life at that time. Unfortunately, for the most part, I had to let a lot of those uh, folks go. And they're good people, but, um, you know, interests vary. So you got into this running thing around that same time then after the YMCA? How did that happen? Pretty much. Yeah. I found myself, I, when I, you know, when I worked with the trainer for the first two sessions, you know, he instructed me to get on the treadmill and kind of do like warmups and stuff. And, uh, I found myself enjoying the warmups, like staying on the treadmill for like a little bit longer than a 12 minute or a 15 minute warm up. And when I started doing cardio classes, like, uh, I was doing, um, uh, like I forget what it was called a uh, body pump and body combat and stuff like that. Like these cardio, I, I really enjoyed the cardio aspect and I found that, yeah, I was a little tired, but I could keep going. And that's why, again, I said to your listeners, it's all relative here because I was experiencing little gains, even in the gym, you know, doing like kickboxing classes, you know, or cardio type classes, but that's so, yeah, that's so, and then uh, my brother uh, had asked me to sign up for a, for a 10K. That was, uh, he asked me to sign up April of 2012. The race took place July 15th, 2012. And for those three and a half or four months, dude, Nate, you would have thought I was training for the Olympics, brother. I mean, <laughs> that was it. I just locked in. Uh, I, I, I remember like uh, I got like a nice piece of tuna for the night before my race with like some uh, and, and, and I made like some healthy carbs and. You know, like that was my long run. You were treating this. This was like your, this was like your uh, Mm -hmm. ultimate, but again, it's all relative. Sure. Right. And that, but that process right there, those three and a half months of knowing what I was going to be doing. Like, for example, I knew two and a half months from making that commitment that I would be doing my long run, which would, which would be about three and a half, four miles. So I knew I had to get good rest on Friday night. 
yeah. for that run on Saturday. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you ended up completing it and you were probably so invigorated, right? That was it. I mean, that, like that feel, I, I'll, I'll never forget that feeling native, you know, like that lay, like from the time the gun went off, um, it, I was just competing and I didn't know who I was competing against, but I realized in time, because it took time to process the event, but I realized I was competing against myself. And that's what I loved. And I realized all the hard work for those three and a half, four months leading up to that 10K, all that hard work, all the sacrifices, all the commitments, telling people no, making the right decisions. It was all to have that feeling. And that's what I fell in love with. Mm. And that feeling is inexplainable unless you have felt it before. The farthest I've ever run gags is a 10K, like the farthest I've ever gone. And during, and I do this with five Ks. I'm not much of a runner, but um, there was a little period of time where I was into five Ks and ten Ks. And sure. every time I'd run a five or ten K, I'd be in the middle of the race, going, "This is the last fucking five, ten, whatever eight K I'm ever running in my life." You know, you're in the <laughs> middle, you hate it. It's it's hot out. You're running up a hill. Whatever's going on, yeah, and. Then something happens a little bit after the race is over. And when you're able to look at your time, well, regardless, you just finished. It doesn't matter what your time was, but you know that you finished, you got through the race, you experience the pain, you experience those levels up as you're going through it, especially that 10K, like that last mile, mile and a half, mm-hmm. it starts messing with you. Sure. And then you get, and there's something that happens and it happens to almost every single person that a little bit after the race is over, you can't wait to go sign up for the next one. You understand that you can push through. You understand what your body's capable of. You understand that when your body wants to stop, it hasn't even tapped into the multitude of reserves that we have. You know, I I, I mentioned before about these creature comforts, you know, and that's what it is. You know, we want to stop. Our brain wants to make the, our brain saying enough. However, you got to push through. Right. And it's, it's such an exhilarating feeling because look, that was 2012. You ran, you ran a 6.2 mile race, 10 K in 2012. And then here we are less, less than a decade, basically a decade later. And you've got all these marathons, all these ultras, all these crazy endurance races under your belt. And you're 46 years old, man. It's not like you're 30. No. So, so I want to get into a little bit more of the mindset mentality sure. stuff too, as you're training for a marathon or any of these ultras. Okay. What are some of the dark days like for you? Cause I'm sure you have plenty of them where you're fighting it and nope. going, Oh, oh I can't do it today. Or, or you, you know, you, something's bad at work or your son's doing something to make you upset or you, you're, were you in my whatever. head last night, dude, like, <laughs> for real. <laughs> you, you know, like, how, what, what are you doing in those dark moments? Well, one thing I want to say is, um, yeah, I, I was active and I played sports growing up. I never liked football or something that really tore my body up. So there was a chunk of time where I was garage kept. Um, so when I started to really take my health seriously and pursue running and make it a lifestyle, and pretty much it's one of my identifiers now. Um, yeah, I was like 35, 36. How do I keep myself motivated? Man, it's hard sometimes. Um, the easiest, the most basic thing is I remember my why. You know, I, re- I, I have to remind myself of why I'm out here, why I'm doing this. 
the most basic response is, I don't want to go back to where I was. I don't ever want my friends to call me fat gags again, even in jest. You know what I mean? I am so scared to go back to that, the way I, those, the way I was living, um, that mentality, that way of thinking, the negative choices. I can't. I cannot go back. That's let just, me just let me just elaborate on what you're saying too a little bit for people because it's not just the physical appearance of fat gags. It's what was inside fat gags at the time right. that was causing that physical appearance. Correct. 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 Yeah. And it was a series of just thinking errors, you know. And I guess I was depressed. I don't know. It was. It was something. It was definitely something. Did that impact your marriage? It did. It yeah. did. Um, I think it's at, at one point, sure, you know, but then once I started to make the change, uh, to make the, the healthier lifestyle changes, it, I, I think it brought us together closer for a while there, you know, but it is what it is. Sure. So, again, when you, you start with your why, that's the again, first thing you go the why. to. That is the, that is the absolute first thing I do. It's like the why. Why am I out there? I'm out there to avoid where I was 10, 15 years ago. That's the most basic. After that, you know, it's, it's not about the likes on social media. It's not about being cool. It's not about, like, potential sponsorships. It's not about being an ambassador. It's not about the podcast. It's not about any of that. All those things can be motivators, Okay. But if I allow myself to be motivated by those things, I'm pretty much where I was 10, 15 years ago, allowing the allowing other people's decisions, allowing other people's thoughts to influence what I'm doing. I don't want that to happen. I try to keep it real to myself. So, again, it just comes back to being a healthier version of me, being a better version of me. You know, you you, you had a guest on your podcast just recently talking about um the difference between confidence and charisma and breaking that down. And, um, you know, I was listening to that and it, it made me think on my, on my run just, just, just last night. Um, I am a much better, compassionate, empathetic human being, father, uh, community member when I'm running, when I focus myself around running and that provides confidence. And with that confidence comes charisma. You know, but it's also, you know, but I don't want to be cocky and to be and to not be cocky. I don't get caught up in that shit. You know, yeah, it's that, walking a fine line for sure. Right. Right. But then again, I mean, let's face it, you know, I have like a, a nice number of followers. And I am active on social media and that does come into it, you know, because I'm trying to put my brand out there. Absolutely. But so I, all I, that I, thing you're, you're saying, all that thing can be good. But if that's sure. your prime focus, sure. you're doing it for the sure. wrong reasons. Right. Exactly. That's okay. and that's the that's the problem. You know, or that can be the problem. That can be the issue. So when you're running then, like you were last night in, the, in a snowy night in Philadelphia. Yep. You're running the streets. How many miles did you go for? Last night was tricky uh, because it was, it, was, it, was, it was only four and a half due to snow and ice. It was like it, it, was, it was starting to get icy and it was like a freezing rain. So I stopped. But I think typically I'll, I'll like usually do anywhere from seven to 12 is my daily average. But so when you're doing that, Gags, is there any piece of you that starts thinking to yourself, hey, man, maybe I should just hit another couple miles on the treadmill. Maybe, maybe I should add my 12-mile uh, treadmill run and, and add like a couple more on the treadmill tonight because it's just so much easier and so less risky. You don't think like that? No, no. The, the only thing that will really stop me is ice and uh, lightning. 
Those are the two things I have a very healthy fear of. Other than that, I will run through anything because there's no is such it, thing. Is it more rewarding when you're running through yeah. a snowstorm? Oh my God. Uh, oh my goodness. Yes. I mean, there's no such thing as, in, as inclement weather, just improperly dressed runners. And, you know, <laughs> to, and like to be out there in conditions in, on, on routes that typically you'd see lots of runners on, and then you're out there during a rainstorm or it's really windy or it's really cold or it's snowing and you don't see any, any runners, man, that's like a huge mental boost. And the thing with ultra running is it's such a, yes, it's physical. All right. It's very physical. You have to train your body to, a, you know, train your body up to these distances. However, I've seen dudes who are in and I've seen people who are in great condition, you know, who just don't have that mental piece together. And as soon as shit goes sideways and believe me, man, shit goes sideways, just like in life, shit can go sideways in the, in, in the blink of an eye. Just in, in, in a race, it's the same thing, too. So if the mental game's not there, you're going to not finish that race. It's, it's a potential to not finish that race. So the mental piece, you know, being out there in conditions where, like last night, it was absolutely shitty. And I ran a route that, like, I normally see runners on. I didn't see a soul. Oh, man. That makes me feel and good. And that motivates the hell out of you. Because oh, you're goodness. out there and you're hustling while everyone else is sitting inside doing, yep. doing nothing, not doing what you're doing. Correct. You know, yeah. I, I have a big race I'm training for uh, in May. It's going to be my first 72-hour race. And, uh, you know, like. <laughs> you and need, what, is that, what does that mean, Gags? You have 72 hours to go as many miles a, as you can. It's a one-mile loop that we run repeatedly for 72 hours. There's a six-day race. It's a 144-hour race, a 72-hour race, a 48, a 24, a 12, and a couple marathons during that week as well. Oh but it's the God. same one mile loop. Three hours. Will you sleep at all? I mean, how how long do you sleep for in something? Every like two that? hour race. I be my. You know what? I'm probably. It's hard to make that call right now. Um, there's because there's as I said, things can go sideways in at the, in the blink of an eye. I don't want to sit here and say, you know what? I'm going to sleep at hour twenty and I'll sleep for two hours because I might be feeling good at hour twenty and I might want to keep going for a little bit. So I think the better thing to say is, I would like to devote. 20 to 21 hours of movement every 24 hours, you know? So you have Whether a plan, you have a plan of some sort of course. Yeah. And you also talk about this because clearly you can't do this alone. And you talk no. about the importance of having the team around you, the right people in your life, the right people in your corner, the Absolutely. support system. Talk about, what... talk about that a little bit. Who's your support system and why, why is that so important? Sure. Uh, these are folks that I call my crew. Uh, when I take these trips or these races, we have crew. Uh, crew is there to help you out. Now, they all, every race will have an aid station with volunteers who can also help you out. Crew is there kind of like a caddy in golf, you know, to kind of help you out if you need it. Uh, so my crew, uh, I keep a very small circle of people around me um, who I trust. I value their opinion. Um, I don't ever want to surround myself with, quote unquote, yes people, you know, who will subscribe to anything that I say. So my team, my crew uh, consists of my buddy, Eddie, my friend, Amy, um, obviously my sons, um, but my coach, Adam Kimball, my good friend, Mary Arnold. These are people who are with me when I train in my head every day. And, um, wow. you know, it, it's I, I talked about you know, a little bit about what motivating factors um, for me, it's working hard when no one's looking, 
All right. It's that's the, that's the piece here. If you can work hard when no one's looking and you can imagine the people that you want to earn, the re, whose respect you want to earn are watching. Man, that's a that can be a powerful motivator. So there's many times when I don't want to get up out of bed in the morning or go out at, at nighttime or do my push ups or go to yoga or whatever it is. But I got to stop and think about. What are they going to say about me if they mm. knew I'm here? You know, that's beautiful. That's really powerful. It's almost like you don't want to let any one of those people you just named, you don't want to let them down. Uh-uh. And if I don't, yeah. if I don't do this tonight, I may end up letting them down. Correct. Yeah. Because what's going to happen? I'm going to get out to a race and then I'm not going to do well because I didn't prepare and failure to plan is planning to fail. And, you know, I'm a pretty competitive person. Um, I don't like to lose. I don't like to feel like a loser. Uh, knock on wood. Um, I have 47 races of a marathon or greater and not a single DNF. DNF stands for did not finish. Yeah, that's um, incredible. Of those. That's incredible uh, to finish all 47 races because you see it all the time, even the best trail runners in the world. And sure. I would say you're obviously up there with one of them now. Well, but, no, let's just keep it. Let, let, let's keep it real. There's there's levels to this game, um, but the pros are in another universe. Are they? I do pretty well as an amateur. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Well, listen, listen, to me, you're one of the looking at your stats, the fact that you finished 47 out of 47, right? I mean, and you've run some of the toughest courses in the world. Yes. Yeah. What's the toughest? What's the toughest that you've done? Toughest I've done, I think right now would be, um, you know, the easy answer would be Tahoe 200 because of the distance, which is actually 205 and a half miles. But I'm going to say Leadville 100 because with Leadville, um, it's a, it's a, most 100-mile races have a 30-hour cutoff. The ones that are at altitude, um, in high in the mountains, usually give you about 32 hours. Leadville, uh-uh, they keep it 30 hours. Uh, you start the race at two miles above sea level. Uh, you go as high as like 13,000 and change, um, and you're climbing mountains. You're, you were climbing Rockies. Um, that, to me, was the toughest because I live on the East Coast. I am a flatlander mentioned before I, I i do my hill repeats on the ben franklin bridge um yeah that was a tough leadville one. leadville 100 and i think that was one of the videos i saw when i first started watching these ultra running videos was it's from that famous. race that's yeah. a very famous race yeah that's incredible i what I, are the I, other I remember, uh, reading this book called uh, born to run when i first started to run and that's a pretty popular book for runners and uh a good chunk of that book focuses around the race in Leadville. So to be able to go out there and run that race and be a part of the history, man, that was something special. It had to be. One of the other things that I am fascinated by what you've said and just looking at the results that you've done in such a short period of time, you look and you say, look at me, anybody can do this. Yes. This is not like something magical. I mean, it is, you got to put in the, but, but there's not a human being that has the physical capability to at least just get out and move that can't ultimately get there. Talk about it, that. It, it, it's, I've said before, you know, it is not a magic trick. It's really not. Um, if you have a positive outlook, a positive mindset, if you surround yourself with the right people, and as I said before, you work hard to earn their respect, even when they're not even looking. All right. That's how you get this done. That's, and again, it could be if you're trying to swim, if you want to get to a certain distance in swimming, if you're trying to lift, if you want to get to a certain point with your bench, 
if you're trying to knit and you want to take your knitting to the next level and have a little shop on Etsy, whatever it is, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone here. You know, and anyone can do it. Anybody can do it. Anybody, Anybody can, do, can it. do it. So from so and that's the that's what I that's what became so addictive for me is that I have that I, I'm I have an addictive personality, man, period. End of discussion. You know, I I'm a Scorpio, the quintessential Scorpio. I, I run hot. Um, Let me ask you, too, uh, Gags. Yeah. When you finish after a long training, a six to nine month training, and then you have this awesome hundred mile race and, and the highs, the highs of that finishing that race have to be. It's probably something that it's hard to probably even put uh, into words for most people. But there must be some type of coming down period. Or, sure. And, and that yeah. you have to fight through. I've heard you've heard like the guys like Tyson Fury, the boxer, and you hear all mm -hmm. these athletes at the highest levels when they accomplish something after so much hard work and everything, the bright lights are down and now there's no more noise. There's no more fans. There's no more work for a little period of time. And it's quiet. That could yeah. become a depressing time. Absolutely. And I e equate that to almost uh, like a postpartum depression you know or maybe if a uh, a newly married couple has spent one year you know planning for this wedding and then all of a sudden honeymoon's over your vacation time at work is over you're back to work now it's tuesday morning because we all know you had to take off that last that, that final monday you know now it's tuesday you're back in the office voicemails full <laughs> right. emails are like in the thousands you know real life happens i hate that feeling um, I, I hate it. And the highs that I experience in a race, I need, I need to say this much, Nate, you know, it's a pendulum, man. Um, if I'm feeling really good in a race, it's because I felt like complete death shortly there shortly prior, or I'm going to feel like death in a, in a little bit of time. But, you know, going back to when the race is over and the mission is accomplished and the goal has been completed, I've earned my belt buckle and I keep it moving. I got to have something lined up in the future. That's just how I'm wired, you know, and I learned that the hard way years ago when I finished the Ironman, you know, I was looking around for more challenges. I had like nothing. I just felt like this. I started to feel like myself prior to that. Like, well, what do I do now? You know, and mm. thankfully I stumbled upon the old, the ultra world and I learned <clears throat> through that experience with the Ironman that when I, to have these goals lined up. So it's not uncommon for me to finish a big race that I've trained for and boom, I'm already in my head. I'm, I'm on to the next. Uh, absolutely. That's, that's a fantastic piece of advice for anybody that wants to push themselves to extreme limits. Be prepared for the coming down part, you know, the post party, yep. because that post party can get pretty, pretty sad and dark if you don't have something else to look and forward to. And again, it's, it's a double-edged sword, Nate, because maybe I don't spend enough time enjoying the accomplishment itself, you know, but I'm so petrified on the inside of sitting back on my love, resting on my laurels, you know, there's going to come a time and a place for me to do that, or folks will do it for me if, you know, I expire, you know, but it's not going to happen now. So for me, in the way that I'm wired, that's what I need. So Super I, so inspirational. Here's the thing now. I already have my calendar lined up for this year and it's already peaking in peaking into 23. Wow. That's yeah. I mean, listen, I have no doubt that as long as you stay healthy, you said you're running the 72 hour race. 
I yes. have no doubt you're going to be running the 144 hour race at some <laughs> point down the road, brother. You know, There's not a doubt in my mind. It's funny you mentioned that, Nate. I have a, a dear friend of mine who's becoming a mentor now. He's, he's, he's someone else whose respect I am glad to have earned and I, and I work hard to keep it. His name is Treshel Churns. Uh, I have my own podcast for the folks out there, uh, Running Times with Gags. You can find me wherever you get your local pot, wherever you get, get your podcast. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at BDG123. So I had Treshel on the podcast. Um, his episode came out over the summertime, and Treshel is a, is a gentleman who ran with a, uh, with a famous guru from the 70s called, uh, his name was Sri Chin Moy. Sri Chin Moy uh, was a guru who pretty much melted, he, he blended endurance and where the body can go with deep meditation and where the spirit can go. So Trishul, uh, and he, he worked with the guru to create this race called, it's called the Transcendental Marathon or the TM3100, where you run the same half mile block in New York City, <laughs> 3,100 miles. So it takes place over the course of, I think you have to do 100K a day, so 62 miles per day. Uh, you have from 6 a.m. to midnight every day, and every day you run this for, I think it's like 52 days is what they give you, somewhere around there. Well, he's run this race three times. Um, you know, oh in preparing God. for that conversation with Treshel, who I've been a fan of for a long time, um, <laughs> it's like he's – he – he wrote to me and said, hey, listen, Gags, I know you're doing the 72-hour race in, in May. I think the 144 is your destiny. It's your calling. You need to do this. And it's like, well, shit, if I have a guy like Treshel tell me that I can do this. So I'm saying the 72-hour race, but it, it may be the 144 in time. Who knows? Absolutely. Uh, no doubt. Know, it, 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 it may be the 144 come May. It depends how I feel in training. I'm coming off a little injury right now. So right now it's like the world is bleak and dark and there hasn't been the sunshine. And uh, yep. it was like forever and I'm uh, questioning my sanity. And I, yes. you know, I'm sitting yes. here like an imposter because I, because I'm only running half the miles I would normally be running because I'm coming off injury. <laughs> yeah. But that's important too, right? I mean, you can't, it's, it's all part of the mindset, brother. Yeah. You but overdo, you overdo it. You're doing yourself such a disservice. In the and, long run, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I've been, I've been dealing with like these, these nagging injuries, and I, and I've had a, a pretty strong two years, and I really haven't given myself much of a break for the last couple of years. So I thought, you know what? Let me, let me pull back, mm-hmm. tend to some of this stuff now, rather than it becoming, rather than it forcing me to take or to be sidelined. Sure. So I'm trying yep. to just heal up right now and rest up and get stronger in this off season. Well, hey, like I said, Gags, this is uh, super inspirational. Uh, I am fascinated by people like you that are able to push through through ultimate sacrifices and ultimately having tremendous rewards and the tremendous emotional rewards that come with it. Uh, you did mention your podcast. You mentioned your Instagram. We'll link you up in the show notes. Thank you. And uh, hey, man, best of luck. We will be watching you from the sidelines. Nate, thank you so much, brother. I just want to say thank you for the, allowing me to tell a little bit of my story to your listeners. Um, you have quite the resume of guests. I see you're well over 200 episodes there. Um, and I was checking out some of the guests. I mean, I can't listen to all of them. Um, <laughs> but I'm happy to join the ranks of some pretty spectacular people there. I was I'm, I, Thank I you was so much. Honored. You I know, really so, appreciate that. Yeah, totally, man. So from one podcaster to another, thank you, dude. And, you know, when you reached out, I, I, I did my homework. I, I did my research. I was like, oh, shit. 
this guy's legit. Let's go, man. Bring it. Likewise, man. Likewise. I, I like bringing on people that you, you could tell have the, have the resume and can shed some light and some insight into something that so many people can use. So uh, again, uh, th- this went better than I could have anticipated. And uh, like, I-, I will be watching you and let's stay in touch. Absolutely, Nate. Thank you so much. And to listeners out there, um, if you have any questions about running or whatever it is, hit me up. Uh, BDG123 on the gram. Um, I respond to pretty much everything that comes through. I am a 100% run nerd. Um, I will talk running all day long if you let me. So please reach out. And if you're a male and you want some beard tips, same, same <laughs> location, true. you can reach him there too. <laughs> yeah. Take it easy, brother. My man. Peace and love. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Optimal Life Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course, you could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings and several and many other podcast apps. Wherever you may be listening, please tell a friend, tell a family member, let them know about the podcast, and we will see you next time.